As I mentioned, today's presenter is Christian Silbernagle. Uh, he, Christian is passionate about delivering value in the predictive maintenance and reliability space with over 10 years of experience in engineering and customer-facing roles. He holds an applied physics degree from the University of Applied Sciences in Germany. And in 2018, he proudly earned his ISO CAT3 vibration certification. Christian now serves as strategic and enterprise account manager at Fluke Reliability, supporting customers on their journey to connected reliability, the subject of our webinar, to enable them to fully unlock the potential of their M&R programs. So Christian, thank you so much for taking the time to present today. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to you for today's talk. All right, thank you very much. And welcome everyone to our today's webinar, The Five Pillars of Connected Reliability. As you heard already, my name is Christian Silbernagel and I work as Global Strategic Enterprise Account Manager at Fluke Reliability. And um, yeah, I'm all about vibration. Uh, proudly earned my ISOCAP 3 certification back in 2018. Um, I started uh, around 10 years ago as online condition monitoring engineer. So that's where my reliability journey started. And then in 2015, uh, changed roles and went more to the commercial side to deliver connected reliability to our customers. And when it's about my private time, I'm all about the outdoors. So you're always going to find me on some trail hiking or even camp. All right, let's have a look at today's agenda. First of all, I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction. It's like, what are certain trends that we see and why is connected reliability actually needed, right? And where can it help? And then also, are there certain pitfalls that we need to overcome? And afterwards, we're going to take a deep dive and we're going to have a look at the five pillars of connected reliability so that the topic comes to be like much, much easier to digest. We're going to look at install. We're going to look at the second pillar, how we acquire data. What different modalities do we have to acquire meaningful data that's going to add value to our reliability program? And then the second step is how can we further enrich that data because condition monitoring data, there's a certain kind of gap that we have to bridge and connected reliability has a solution for that as well. Then afterwards, we're going to look at the pillar act. This is where we look on how do we transfer findings into actions, into actionable items, right? Getting the wrench out there and getting things done. And then at the end, we're going to look at the pillar of connected knowledge, right? So that is more like an overarching pillar that touches base with install, acquire, and reach and act simultaneously. And at the end, I'm also going to show you two examples where companies are applying connected reliability actively today. And then, as Richard mentioned, at the very end, we're also going to have time for questions. All right. Just to give you a short overview, Fluke Reliability, right? So if you heard, it's like the home of eMaint, a CMMS system with AM capabilities and proof technique, right? A producer of condition monitoring systems and alignment systems. So we are around 700 employees around the world. We have um, established offices in 20 countries and we are serving over 70,000 customers in over 100 countries, also leveraging trusted partners. All right, let's have a look at certain macro trends that we are seeing. So currently we are seeing macro trends emerge across the wider industrial market. So what we are seeing is a growing expertise and skill gap. So 
there is a skill gap um, predicted and um, a shortfall of skilled uh, workers in the manufacturing industries by 90 million people uh, with uh, till 2030. Also, what we are seeing is that manufacturers are investing heavily in digital transformation to build resilience powered by artificial intelligence. And that there is certainly a need for connected assets, people and systems across the enterprise. What we are also seeing is the impact of reshoring of production, increased costs in labor and production. And last but not least, a strong focus on environmental safety and governance. And maintenance and reliability teams, right? When we are picking the topic, artificial intelligence and IoT, maintenance and reliability teams adopting IoT are gaining a competitive edge in the market. And around 98% of organizations report that a minimum of one hour of downtime costs them more than $100,000. So the return on invest is very, very clear here, right? So technology and macro drivers that we were just mentioning are accelerating this. And an SAP study found that organizations who implemented IoT enhanced systems were more likely to be industrial leaders. And since manufacturers are investing over 500 billion US dollars yearly in digital transformation initiatives, that is what is fueling the shift from reactive to proactive maintenance. All right, in the digitalization process and also in digitalizing maintenance and reliability approaches, there is very common pitfalls and we should call them out. So siloed implementation, what does that basically mean? Siloed implementation means if you are deciding, okay, we wanna go big, we wanna standardize our reliability program across the enterprise. You're gonna purchase an EAM system here. You're gonna use some analytics software there. And then you also have hardware, but they are not talking to each other. They are more like inside of, that is like something that we see across the wider industry. That's a huge pitfall. And then basically at the end of the day, um, you might have, single system working, but you are not leveraging the connection that both of those worlds um, could have and create additional value. Another pitfall is the one size fits all. So an overall solution that is not adaptable, that will force your processes and workers to change even if they are working already. Then think about the pilot purgatory. That for sure, everything needs to be tested and needs to be fit uh, for purpose but piloting different technologies um, rather than looking at an end-to-end -end solution is basically um, not bringing you um, a shorter time to value. No, it's actually prolonging that time. And then looking on a pitfall, a very common one, prioritizing technology. So rollout and uh, focus on one single product globally, although a modality mix would give you a maximum of value. So a good example would be that you would just go for one specific wireless sensor, for example, and you try to cover all your assets, although this is not the right tool of choice for all your assets, but maybe would be able only to cover 60%. All right, and now how can we address these macro trends and overcome dimension pitfalls? You, we can do that with a reliability solution that includes measurement, so like tools and sensors, alignment, intelligent software and services while managing the maintenance workflow and work execution using a maintenance management system. Combining these workflows under one roof delivers an unprecedented time to value for organizations. 
breaking down the silos of hardware and software enable organizations to shift from reactive to proactive maintenance. And there are benefits like accelerated innovation, better efficiency, increased uptime, reduced operating costs, breaking down operational silos, highlighting energy consumption and improving worker safety. And that is what connected reliability is about. Connected reliability is not a single product. Connected reliability is an ecosystem. It's a framework that combines hardware and software systems from across the enterprise into one cloud-based maintenance ecosystem. And as we mentioned earlier, right, tools, software, services, workflow, work execution, this sounds pretty massive, right? But we can break connected reliability ecosystem down into five major pillars. And that's what we're going to talk about today. All right. So the five pillars of connected reliability. In our agenda, we have them listed out. So install, acquire, enrich, act, and connected knowledge services. What do we want to achieve by using connected reliability and all the five pillars? We want to install with precision and then operate at the top left of the PF curve. What does the PF curve give us basically, right? So we have our asset health, or let's do it like this. So we have our asset health and then the deorientational health over time. And what does it basically tell us? So an asset that gets installed and then we have a failure that gets initiated. And then we have the different modalities like all analysis, ultrasound, vibration, thermography, motor test that we can use to monitor that equipment and assessing the health of the asset itself as it is deorientating. And then also plan and schedule actions to bring it back in its original state. And it all starts with the installation phase there. So the better and more precise the installation is, the further you're going to start on the left-hand side of your PF curve. And then the next pillar would be acquire connected data. What is the right modalities that you need to bring together? Is it a combination of ultrasound and vibration? Is it a combination of thermography and oil analysis, right? So you need to understand what is the best modality to assess the health of your asset. And then afterwards, the enrichment phase or the, and the pillar of enrichment, where you bring more information through an EAM system in there. So about when was the last service done, right? So, and that you can also see what spare parts were, were like also used. So bringing and adding additional information to condition monitoring data, very important. And then looking at ACT, how can we transfer findings from the enrichment phase and transfer them and turn them into actions, actionable items. And all of this is backed up by the last pillar, which is connected knowledge services that can be applied at all different phases. And now let's start with the installation phase. So what we want to do is we want to achieve peak performance from day one. And how can we achieve that? We mentioned earlier what is part of a connected reliability ecosystem. It's alignment as well. So when we are aligning an asset, right, then, and we are aligning it with high precision tools, then we are set up for success because we started as far left of the PF curve as, we, as it, it is actually possible. So for rotational equipment, laser shaft alignment would be um, the tool of choice using active situational intelligence so that the teams are guided for the entire process and to be more efficient. And then there is also other assets where we would need to use different technology, geometrical alignment or maybe pulley alignment or special devices and services to do role alignment as well. 
Let's have a look. So installation with precision to save costs. What does that actually mean? Let's have a look on the left-hand side of the picture there. What we can see in this uh, thermal image, uh, what we're going to see there is like, okay, there is stress on the coupling as well as on the bearing um, of our assets. And what we're seeing here is like a misaligned machine. So what does happen, right? So if we have a misaligned machine, we're putting stress and strain on the entire components and we're wearing them down, right? So that means a misaligned system. Um, yeah, so then we have like a bearing life cycle that is decreased by 50%. If we're looking on the same machine that is aligned, then we can see, oh wow, the stress and strain is suddenly gone, right? And what does that mean for us? We, that means now we can improve the bearing life cycle by 50% and we can reduce the number of mechanical seal repairs. So already saving costs at day one and running an asset at peak performance. Let's now have a look on how to acquire data. And as we mentioned earlier, there is different modalities, thermography, ultrasound, vibration, right? Motor testing. For the simplicity of this webinar, and since I'm a vibration specialist, I'm focusing here on, let's say, certain vibration products. But it actually illustrates that even within, for example, the field of vibration, there's different tools to actually choose from. And not every tool is like a single choice. There is no single, there is no single choice. No one size fits all. Keep that in mind, one of the pitfalls. And I'm using vibration to illustrate that here. So depending on the assets that you want to analyze, there's also other modalities that might work better than vibration. But vibration is already like something that gives us great insights into the health of an asset. But where does it start? How do I make the right choice? And it starts actually with you and the experts that are helping you to set up a connected reliability ecosystem. There is industry expertise needed. And this is a very important conversation to have, right? Because as it is with all data, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? And we want to have peak performance from day one, not only by the installation, but also when we acquire data. We want to have meaningful data. Let's take an example. Um, I'm just going to pick the first one, uh, automotive, right? So in the automotive sector, and you want to monitor a body press, for example. That is great, right? So there is solutions for that. But let's say you are a car manufacturer. You have different sites that also have different ages. So you have a new site that uses a servo press, but another site might use a transfer press with a classical flywheel, right? We're gonna couple that in for gearbox and then activate the press with that. So there the decision would be okay. There might be two different tools used for those two different applications. Although the output is the same, they work very differently. And this is what you need to take in consideration and what I mean with that industry expertise is needed. Now, also, let's take another example. You have a pump manufacturer, right? Has the exact same pump, but supplies it for the offshore industry as well as for the chemical industry. That pump is gonna behave very differently on an offshore platform than it would be on a very rigid um, concrete foundation at a chemical site. You need also to take that in consideration to choose the right tool. And then we also have to think about the high, um, so the coverage and the right solution, looking at complexity of an asset, as well as the criticality of an, of an asset, right? So the more standard it is, you can use like fast data collectors, 
uh, wireless vibration sensors. And the more complex it gets, you also might want to add additional tools or have an additional tool that can provide further insights, so provide you more in-depth information. Can also maybe measure faster, right? And then the more critical the equipment is to your operation, then you would like also, um, let's say, slowly walk the path more towards online systems. Think about turbines, think about like production critical systems like um, a mud pump, for example, right? In the offshore industry, this is all equipment that is highly critical to an operation where you need to perform in-depth data analysis, identify complex fault, root cause, and also schedule more complex repairs. But when we're talking about criticality, what does that mean, right? What is criticality? And criticality has a lot of faces, right? There is, we, there is a complete webinar series that you could do about a criticality assessment of your sites, right? And there is programs like that, right? I'm gonna take the shortcut here and just like break it down for you. What kind of criticality you might look at? First of all, asset criticality, right? The equipment itself. We also mentioned earlier ESG, right? So the impact on workers, worker safety. What if a catastrophic failure means there's a leak of a specific chemical that harms your staff, right? Think about the regulatory fines, the health of the people. Then think about production critical. Let's say you are at a mining site, right? And you have four ball mills that are running and then you have like a, you have to keep up a high output because there's high demand in the market. That means all the four mills are running all the time. One breaks down, you're minimizing your production output by 25%. And then you can imagine if it's a catastrophic failure that the repair can take weeks till you have the right parts for it. Then think about the quality aspect. An asset might be still in a good condition and could be operated longer, but what if the derotation of an asset has a direct impact on your product quality. You cannot keep up the standard. You might even have to scrap your output or even sell it at a lower value. And then last but not least, what is the impact on environment, right? And what we should also think about, right? And I know it's a very unpleasant topic, but it's also another criticality um, element that we have that is also budget, right? So that means, do we have to budget um, to apply the right solutions? Can we go end to end? That would be great. Or is it smarter to use one of the pillars to find an entry point into connected reliability and start expanding from there? So coming back to our example of vibration tools. So there is fast data collectors, for example, that we can use to collect data for many assets at a very economical price monitoring tier two assets using wireless vibration sensors, and then using like very dedicated continuous data monitoring systems that can give you deep insights on critical assets. And why is there not just a single option? No, there is no one size fits all. You want to have the ability to monitor a mix of machines, a mix of operating complexities and a mix of criticalities all in one system. And the ability for your condition monitoring system to evolve with its mix of strategies over time without a costly changeover that you can add on. So you can start with data collection and maybe add like for your most complex asset, put maybe even already an online system in place and then slowly expand using wireless sensors. 
and the ability to manage and include an ever-evolving mix of experts and non-experts and managers in your, into your program. Let's come to our next pillar, enrich. What does that mean? So we have the condition monitoring data collect. So we have chosen our tools, we got out there, we took that data, and now we are transferring the data into the cloud. But the condition monitoring data itself is kind of incomplete, right? So basically what we don't know at now, just looking at the condition monitoring data, when the asset was last serviced, or what actions have been performed, or when is my next maintenance due at? And thus also not have the asset's history of failure, what parts are needed to complete specific jobs and whether those parts are on hand, do I have them on stock? And the asset's history of failure is very important. And we mentioned it earlier, if you want to identify the root cause of, of a problem, you just don't wanna keep repairing, repairing. You wanna do proactive maintenance. You wanna understand the root cause and eliminate the failure once and for all. And how can you close that gap? So actually, you can enrich that condition monitoring data by using a maintenance management system, the data from that, from an EAM system, and providing maintenance and reliability teams with the big picture and also enabling them for better decision and to be more efficient in the use of their resources and to drive insights. Another enrichment piece is also artificial intelligence and machine learning. So all the data that comes in gets enriched through that by bringing all different data sources together and deliver maximum insights in the health of your assets and your entire enterprise. But when we're talking about data enrichment, there's one thing that we need to understand. I mentioned it earlier a little bit, right? Put in there like a catchy phrase, like garbage in, garbage out. So in order to make that data enrichment even more efficiently, there is a certain element where data enrichment needs to be close to the assets. And the reliability engineers and analysts on this call here today, right? You know that, right? There is certain happenings. You might say, hey, Chris, this is like very interesting. You're bringing all this data now up together in the cloud, which makes perfectly sense because we are enriching it there. But there are certain assets where we need already data enrichment directly down on the asset level because it might be too late when we just bring it up into the cloud and bring it uh, together there. And why is that? Because vibration data seems to be very challenging. And I can tell you by myself, I have been analyzing the classical way many, many years ago assets. And it is very challenging. You're looking at a spectrum and a time waveform and everything all at the same time. But so much is happening around the asset that and process parameters changing that are also having a direct influence on the asset that there is a gap in information. And sometimes that is needed within the same second I'm taking a vibration reading. So when we're looking at data enrichment, I want to take like a couple of examples to bring that closer to you. Let's take this vertical roller mill out of the cement industry, for example. So what we're gonna have here, we have like a lot of intake and it's that vertical roller mill is grinding and grinding and grinding. But it has variations in the intake. So it's not always uh, one ton of material that you would put in there. Sometimes it's half a ton more or a little bit less. And those load variations can create negative torque on the pinion shaft, right? And that negative torque, for those that know what negative torque means, is that this is harming your asset. If you think about a vertical roller mill, 
if you have a large cement operation, there might be two or three of them, but many just have one vertical roller mill. Then you can imagine such a massive gear, such a massive asset, you don't have spare parts just like lying around everywhere. Or for example, let's take a compressor. We have a compressor that is used in a production line where two different products are produced. So that means it's going to run at different speeds and you're also going to experience different types of vibration levels. That does not mean that because I'm producing product one, where I have a vibration level, that this is harming the machine, right? Or that it's like that the machine is in a bad condition. But what we need to know already on the edge is, okay, what vibration levels are okay and in what operating state am I in? So what you need here is a certain adaptability and the data enrichment that happens already on the asset level. A system that is capable to identify what is good data and verify in which operating stage do I need to put that in. So actually, so basically we're taking the data, deriving it and then putting it into bins. And those bins is a pre-sorting mechanism to use. Well, let's take another application, a spindle, right? Um, so a spindle is basically a very, let's say, um, in the world of, um, of reliability might be a very simple asset because it's basically a bearing and a tool that we use. But it's a very high dynamic application and has high variations in vibration reading speed. So it's very, very complicated to actually monitor that life. So as you can see on the right hand side, depending on the tool, if you're drilling, if you're grinding, right? Also on the material, are we looking at metal? Or are you just cutting like circuit boards, for example? There we have already like different vibration readings and then also based on the tool used. So operating state one, two, and three, we can clearly see on the right-hand side that there is a difference. So it's very hard to monitor that. And then what you would really need is like, as I said earlier, you want to have an adaptable online condition monitoring system that is basically using operating state to pre-qualify data and, start and, and just start taking data that is meaningful and sorted in those bins. And then also connecting to a SCADA system directly on the edge and integrating process values, temperature, RPM, and position to align the vibration data directly to this information. And once that is done and you transfer it to the cloud, you have already a pre-enriched data set that can be used. And what is the benefit of that? That basically means by bringing all kinds of different values from a SCADA system, from a temperature sensor, vibration values together. This connected data is a driver for more accurate, expert, and automated analysis. And how does that all look now together? So we have understood where we need to start, right? Where is our lever to pull? What are we going to do? And where is our goal? And where do we want to be? So first of all, we do our site assessment. We did that, right? So we're going to look on, okay, um, on some equipment, I have put continuous vibration. On some, I put wireless sensors. I have route um, thermography, route ultrasound implemented. And I have now verified all the different technologies that I would like to use. Then the data um, gets transferred into the cloud. And we can also add manual data collection to that cloud as well, using certain apps for that, right? And now that we have this pre-qualified data, bringing it all together, now we can get it into automated analysis. What is the benefit of that? So 
its connected reliability is not to replace the reliability experts in the field at all. But you need two different approaches, right? So you have the automated analysis that it can enhance an expert to become more efficient. You might be even able to attract more, uh, more workforce again, uh, because this is enabling you to be the smarter, to be more efficient. And then you can also, if you are having a gap in skill within your organization, then you can also leverage external experts that you can deploy in a connected reliability um, ecosystem at any time in the journey, right? So where you can do telediagnosis, remote condition monitoring, or even on-site machinery services, send people out there, right? And why is that so important? Why are we bringing in connected knowledge services here already into the game? Because sustainability. A connected reliability ecosystem is built to sustain. You need to be able to, main, to maintain that and remote services can be filling or bridging that gap. Now let's talk about ACT, transferring our findings that we have after data enrichment, right? And after um, bringing all this data together and analyzing it, how do we transfer now those findings into actions? And the real power now from connected reliability comes when you start connecting the teams to it. Because at the end of the day, someone has to pick up the wrench and do the work. So by making asset condition data, all the information accessible to teams, that is the first step, right? And the second one is then also automation of work order creation, enhancing the workflows, and even coordinating inventory, doing the scheduling, work instructions, and using intelligent alarms and mobile apps. What you are creating here is one of the biggest benefits of connected reliability, right? Despite all the cost saving, that is the insight. That is the insight that you can provide vertically across your organization. And then also standardize on this horizontally around all your sites. You are creating a visibility that touches point with all different kinds of personas within your organization. Whether it is the technician that performs the correction, whether it is the manager, if it is the reliability director, there's all different KPIs and possible visualization and information and insights that all different members in the organization can gain insights from. And now let's think about, we were also talking about okay, we're talking about work executions, but what we were talking about connected reliability, one of the great advantages is that you are able to start connecting workflows under one roof. Take for example, a CMS. You have a work order, right? So for your handheld tool, go out every four weeks, assign that to one technician, you're going out and measuring the assets and bring the back the data into the ecosystem. Then on top of that, for the most critical assets, you have already permanent online condition monitoring system that are continuously delivering data. And then for the tier two assets, you would have wireless um, sensors that are also periodically sending data into your ecosystem and feeding it. Right, the next step would be analyzing the data to find machine problems. So bringing all the data together and it gets analyzed, whether this is powered by AI or if this is done by an external expert. Once we have the findings on understand on what to do to solve our reliability issues, then we can assign a work order to correct the problem. And we're gonna open up the next workflow that is perform preventive 
or corrective maintenance. Whether it's replacing bearings, um, we're doing overhaul, um, or we are rebuilding the seals. And after that, we're going to enter a very familiar workflow. Remember, we're going to set our asset back to zero. We're going to bring it all the way to the top left of the PF curve by realigning and rebalancing using precision devices. Once that workflow is done, we can use those results and bring them back into our CMMM system and also then close the work order. Let's come to our last pillar, connected knowledge. And here we have seen earlier, connected knowledge services can be applied at any part that we are seeing in the other pillars. So installation, acquire, enrich, and act. And how that? So for example, in the installation phase, if you don't have the capabilities, uh, the in-house capabilities to perform alignment, balancing, et cetera, you can call on-site machinery services and integrate them there, right? Then in the acquire stage, for example, what is the tool of choice? You, need this, you might be in need of certain type of consulting that you need, right? So that is also something where you can bring that in, the knowledge, the understanding of what is the right modality to use for my asset. Then also, if we're thinking about the enrichment phase, right? Because if we are thinking about a, a CMS system, EAM system, right? Then it's not just about like, okay, I'm just going to log in and it starts working, right? It is about a tight integration that you want to achieve. And this is where customer success, for example, comes also in very handy if you want to expand your solution and standardize across your enterprise and expand. Or for example, on the act, right? Then later on, if you want to rebalance or realign, can also use um, on-site machinery service again. And now that we are walking more towards the end, I also promised you some uh, real applications and some examples, case studies, where customers are leveraging connected reliability today. All right, so here we are looking at the case study, which is around critical equipment monitoring. What you're going to realize is, okay, what does criticality mean? Is it always the asset or is it maybe the secondary failure or what is happening after a disaster that matters? So in this case, we have a major global company in the agri-science sector, right? That uh, stores and packages seeds. Sounds very simple, right? Simple thing. It's basically not, right? So the product is harvested once a year and then it is bunkered and it's stored till packaging. And as you can imagine, it has to stay under, under constant conditions. So it needs to have a constant temperature as well as constant humidity. Because of that, then we are at risk losing the entire production batch of a year. So this is uh, what the customer complication was here. Yeah, there's only harvest time once a year. So if one of the assets fails, the entire production batch might be at risk. And what is the asset? It's a trier fan. By the application itself, very simple, a fan, right? But that trier fan is responsible to, for the constant conditions um, and temperatures in each silo. And how did they overcome that obstacle? Because that customer did not have the in-house expertise to do um, condition monitoring or implement and run a connected rel reliability program. They were able to do that by implementing an online condition monitoring system directly at the asset 
and actually bring it into connection with the CMS software. And then also pair that with a remote condition monitoring uh, workflow using experts. And now the company, that organization can uh, now leverage connected reliability to receive recommendations and make repairs before their asset fails. And thanks to that, the customer can now turn the machine health data into action, right? And then also deploying the technicians before the disaster strikes in the future. And what are the outcomes here? One, where we are also addressing one of the one of the of the macro trends that we are seeing is implementing predictive maintenance, and they are bridging that expertise gap that they don't have, right? So they are partnering with a connected reliability provider that is able to bring all those workflows under one roof. They achieve protection of their equipment and product. And then also they have a 24-7 machine condition monitoring versus planned maintenance. So they are moving. So they were not at the reactive maintenance stage. They were already at the planned maintenance stage, which is also fantastic because 66% of organizations worldwide are still doing reactive maintenance. And they were already like on the planned maintenance side and now moving to proactive maintenance, which is a fantastic outcome. And then let's have a look at the case study um, from a customer that is out of the food and beverage sector and refrigerates like very highly efficient using liquid ammonia during production, which is very common, right? But where's the risk here? So back in 2020, they had an ammonia leak, right? And there was like thousands of pounds of ammonia leaked and they had to evacuate. And then also um, they also got like a lot of fines, reg regulator fines, right? Because worker safety was affected. And now we can see, okay, we are touching base on an environmental safety and governance again. And what was their solution? So what they were using is a combination of wireless sensor and a CMMS system. And what they can now do is like, see how the health deoritates over time and they are able to, um, to receive alarms and make their repairs before the equipment fail. Face them, all those regulator fines, so the return on investment is very, very significant here. Plus, on top of that, it drives results for them and that are operationally efficient as well as environmentally sound. And who would think now, okay, oh, but you did not talk about the experts now or artificial intelligence. In this case, it is actually an application where we are customers looking on the most common faults using narrowband alarms using a wireless vibration sensor. And then what they're also doing is they are, what they are monitoring now is eight ammonia compressors connected across two sites in the Midwest. And they went from taking a measurement every six months to a 24-7 machine monitoring. And what is so nice about this? connected reliability ecosystem. This helps you and enables you to now standardize. So across all their sites, they're now able to easily standardize and horizontally integrate that solution and to drive up the value of their supply chain. So what have we learned? Connected reliability is a framework that combines hardware and software systems from across the enterprise into one cloud-based maintenance ecosystem. Maintenance management is automatically integrated with data acquisition and analysis, giving you as the industry leaders unprecedented 
real-time visibility and empowering maintenance managers to make data-driven decisions that avoid downtime. And again, think about the pitfalls that you want to overcome and where connected reliability can help you. Siloed solutions, breaking down the silo of software and hardware solutions and start building that connection. A one-size-fits-all approach. So an overall solution that is not adaptable, that will force your processes and workflows to change even if they're working, right? Scrap that, go for connected reliability, use a product mix. Prioritizing technology, like just don't focus on one single product, right? Just don't focus on one single product, make that use of the product mix that you have and the solutions that you can apply. And with that, I thank you very much for your attention and we keep it open now for questions. Christian, that was great. Thank you so much for the presentation. Um, you know, on and it, it's such a such a poignant and powerful message. We even have someone in the chat here who said that your um, ammonia leak example reminds them of a previous employer, and they had to implement the same solution. So I think mm -hmm. that really speaks to how powerful connected reliability to, can be to connect your teams, automate workflows, and make a dramatic difference in boosting uptime and strengthening reliability. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for your presentation. As a reminder to everyone, today's webinar was recorded and will be posted on the Fluke Reliability YouTube channel. We're also going to be sending a link out to everyone who attended. Um, we do have a few questions here that have been submitted. If you have a question that you have not yet submitted, please enter it in that Q&A chat box and we will get through as many questions as time allows. Feel free to ask your questions now. Um, and a few people have asked if the deck will be available after the presentation. Yes, we will share the deck as well as a recording of today's sessions. So we have our first question here. So let's say my budget does not allow for a full end-to-end full end -end solution that you provide. Can I still use part of the solution and achieve what you're calling connected reliability? Yes, um, that is a really good question. Um, and the clear answer here is yes, right? So. If you're looking down at the five pillars, so connected reliability can be deployed as an end-to-end -end solution, or you can use like one of the pillars. Let's say you are not doing any, let's say you are still using a straight edge for alignment, right? So you might have a lever there that you say, okay, I'm gonna standardize on my alignment equipment that gets me already at peak performance from day one. You might have already that in place, right? And you are looking on, okay, what other modalities can I leverage, right? And then let's think about um, we showcased vibration, right? And there we started, yeah, we can go big bang, right? Which is a huge capital investment into um, hardware maybe, right? But you can also say, hey, my budget allows maybe for data collection. So it always allows you to start and bring something in and then later on to expand your solution across the enterprise. So yes, and the same also holds true, for example, if, um, let's say you don't have a dedicated uh, CMS EAM system, then you can also start with that. You always have to see, okay, what is the biggest lever that you can pull that is within your budget and then start expanding from there. Yeah. Excellent, thank you, Christian. Uh, we have another question, we have a couple questions here. Um, one of them was, and they tied together, what activity was performed to detect the leaks? And then another question, which was, um, you were talking about alignment tools and vibration monitoring, but what about 
um, the IR cameras and this um, fancy sound camera, the II-900, the Fluke cells, can that be part of your connected reliability ecosystem? So they're asking about um, leak detection, um, about the IR cameras and our um, C-Sound technology. Yes, uh, actually the one question answers the other question. <laughs> you, could, you, could, you could basically say so, right? So, um, so what you can do is you can use that sound camera, right, to detect leaks. And that is amazing. That's like the first thing that I did when I got it into, into my hands. I was walking around with that. So you can use that to detect leaks. And the wireless vibration sensors really like what they can do is like they can actually sense any deorientation at the asset at the early stage so that you don't come to that leak, right? So it's complementing each other and the leaks can be identified with um, the Iron 900. Yeah. Excellent. Let me see. We're really getting a, a lot of questions in here now. Um, someone is asking, let's see, can connected reliability be implemented with a lesser impact on the IT infrastructure? On the IT infrastructure? Yes. So um, that is um, that is a really good question, right? Because you have a couple of systems that you might want to use. But if you think about connected reliability, then um, you have also that ecosystem that lives in the cloud. So this is basically where you kind of like outsource this, those IT problems, right? So the wireless sensor will send data into the cloud. An online system will send data into the cloud. You can upload and um, let's say um, everything, the, the CMS also lives in the cloud. So you're basically not installing anything anymore directly within your own network. You're, that is like basically solving that issue, yes. And then we had just a real easy to answer question here that I can answer is you are using eMate and yes, that's the eMate CMMS um, software that you saw on the uh, sort of the right side of Chris's diagram. That's part of the uh, Fluke reliability family of connected software and tools. And then we had another question here um, let's see, online vibration data collections can be more helpful for alerting through various means, but how, how about thermal imaging and oil analysis? Um, how can they be connected reliability and relate, raise alarms in real time? I don't know if that's relevant to, um, to what we're talking about today, Chris, but, um, can you speak to that? Yeah, so... Um, if you think about oil analysis, for example, there are sensors that um, can establish a connection to a SCADA system, right? So we have the capability or there is software out there as well as systems that then can use the SCADA system to access that oil and analysis data. Or you can like directly implement it into the connected reliability framework. If you think about an, um, let's say, mobile camera, right? So this is a workflow that we can integrate also into eMaint, right? But that's like something where you take that image and then you bring it into the CMS world. So that's a workflow that is connected, but it needs to be uploaded. Um, what you might refer to, but that is like, um, I'm not a product specialist on that, is that there's also an online system basically like from the IR900, for example, where it would be fixed installed. But um, 
if you would like to have more um, information around that, then um, I would like to refer to one of our specialists um, around that. So please do not hesitate to send me an email and I'm going to refer you to the right person in our organization. Yeah, and I'll just tack on there that speaking to our um, to the, the full connected family of softwares and technologies, EMI and CMMS does integrate quite well with um, SCADA and PLC systems, BAS, BA, um, BMS, um, MEM systems. So you have just this wealth of data at your fingertips when you have that full connected reliability solution there. Yes. Um, and then we had another question here, which is we are still doing reactive maintenance, but want to start with condition monitoring and become more reliability centered. We have no in-house experts or experience on how to start. I'm concerned by requesting budget for my management that the ROI will not be there at the end of the year. Can um, you guys help with that? Yes. So, I mean, like, what would happen is that first there would be like kind of an assessment needed, right? So, what is your current state and where do you want to be? It's like, okay, the, where you want to be ultimately is the end to end solution. And then you can see, okay, what are the levers? that would justify um, or let's say bring you the ROI desired. Um, you have to think about, um, you can like um, easily, let's say in some, it depends also on your industry. If you have some assets, right? Where a complete repair and overhaul, uh, including downtime costs you like easily $300,000, right? Easily. And um, then it might, sense, uh, might make sense to protect those assets. What can happen, right? And this is like, kind of also a pitfall. Um, a lot of people understand and know that, for example, vibration tools hold, um, let's say, an opportunity to look at um, a lot of failures at the same time. The problem is um, within a pilot, for example, right, six weeks or even within a year, it might be that the asset health of the system or the asset that you are monitoring is like staying stable, right, because you're applying the right measures. So it might be that you're not seeing that what I would suggest then is like looking at the end-to-end -end solution and then looking, okay, what is the best entry point for you? And then seeing, okay, if you are, if you would, for, for example, still do Excel spreadsheets, I highly recommend to go for a CMMS system, right? So this is where you probably see like a direct impact. Um, where we can help you is really like um, also help you with a tight integration for end-to-end uh, where you have also uh, shortened time to value. So that is basically by using that connected reliability framework, uh, we are able to help you build an end-to-end -end solution that can be like starting at a smaller scale with one or two sites and then maybe expand to like 10 sites in the next year. But um, build that end-to-end -end solution gets you a shortened time to value and you should be able to receive your return on invest within a year. Excellent. Yeah, we're going to continue on with more questions. We've got uh, several more here. Thank you so much for all your great questions. We'll try and get through as many as we can here. Um, we have this next one here, which is when lifecycle cost covers the machine from beginning to end, how can you operate in the left side of the wearout diagram? And by wearout diagram, I believe they're referring to the PF curve. Um, yeah. All right. Um, I'm not 100% if I understand the, um, the question correctly. I would assume, and maybe you can also put that into the, into the box if uh, my assumption is right here. 
so that you have an asset basically um, with high redundancy, right? So um, it's not like having um, very high impact on production loss. It's not going to have um, impact on your quality, also not on safety, nothing. Um, if it is cheaper to just run to failure, yeah, there are assets out there where I would not put any monitoring technology on it because it's not worth to repair, if I understood that um, correctly. Yeah, there is assets where you would not put technology on. This, but this needs to be assessed at the very beginning there. Excellent. Yeah. And if um, if the asker wants to go ahead and expand on that, if that wasn't um, you know totally what they were what they were envisioning, feel free to throw that in the chat. We had another question here. Um, let's see. Um, someone's asking, how can we evaluate the reliability of a total condition-based maintenance CBM system? The total reliability, so basically um, you want to measure success, right? Um, so what you can do, for example, is then, um, because since you are, let's say, um, you can use certain KPIs, and specifically when you are looking at um, the CMMS part of that solution, then you would look at mean time to repair mean time between failure, et cetera. So you have like different KPIs that you can look at and see if your reliability program is, is working. Another thing that you can look at is service oper operational cost per site. Are you able to bring those down, right? Um, those are typical KPIs and measures that you could apply to identify if your reliability program is successful. But what is more important even here, and that is actually um, kind of, now that I'm thinking about it, also a pitfall, right? It's you need to very clearly align on the goals and the outcome, right? So it's like you need to align within your organization once you start a program on what, how does success look like? What does great look like, right? And then use those uh, measures, right? Um, so that you can agree on a certain formula that would be, okay, bring our service operational costs down, right? Um, also, for some people, it is very important to say, okay, we want to have a spare pound, a spare part accountability of uh, 96 plus percent, right? Because at the end of the day, there's also taxes waiting. Um, so this is where you could also use that as a KPI. So there's various KPIs that you could use. Um, and that is something where you need to align within your organization. And if you want to, just feel free to reach out and then uh, we can have a look together on what KPIs would make most sense for you. Great, and we're gonna we're gonna keep going. Thank you, everyone, for staying on and for your great questions. We got a few more here that we can answer in the time we have. Um, this one is: Can we establish a reliable? Can we establish connected reliability for a fleet um, by measuring just vibration? So I think talking, speaking, probably to um, if you just have that one modality of vibration, is that is that enough to? Um, establish a connected reliability ecosystem like you've been discussing, Christian? Yes, so um, as I said earlier, right, vibration is already giving you great insights, right? And um, you can build your connected reliability ecosystem around that. Just think about 
the examples that we have been given earlier, right? There we were looking at SCADA data and vibration data, adding expert analysis on top of that, pairing it with the CMS. Yeah, so we just used a single modality and the SCADA information. Um, sometimes, I mean, like we have also operations where a SCADA system is like maybe that old, right? And it's not upgraded yet so that it would not like be able to be lifted into, into the cloud. Then there's also poss possibilities to like use the existing vibration readings that you have as a single one. What I would totally urge you, think about the enrichment phase, right? That comes from the CMMS EAM system that you really marry that together. So that is like really the core element that you bring those two together. Yes. Um, and if you are already like into your reliability journey with vibration, then you have already like, you are within your first pillar. You can expand within that pillar, but if you decide, okay, this is our modality of choice and we are seeing success with that, we are not looking on any other modalities for now, then your next logical step would be, okay, enrich that data. And that's how I would go and take the next step towards connected reliability in your case. And we have someone also, or we have a, one of our colleagues here reminding us that fluid analysis can also be great complementary um, modality for fleet, specifically for fleet, I think. And I think that's all the time we have here. Thank you so much for all of your great questions. Again, we'll be sending you um, the recording and the slides. Thank you so much, Christian. This has been such a such an amazing talk. And um, thanks, everyone. Christian, any last words you wanted to share with anyone? Yes, um, I would urge anyone to get up and think about your where you are in your reliability journey today. Take just a few notes down and see, okay, have you achieved what you wanted and are you getting the value out of your program today? And if you find any ways to improve that.